Hey guys, welcome back to the Everyday People podcast, a podcast brought to you by Shack City. My name's Okta and today's guest is a barber, stylist, educator and a former professional cyclist. You're listening to the Everyday People podcast and I have Owen McCarthy here. Owen McCarthy, welcome to the Everyday People podcast. How you going, bro? Good, bro. How are you? Oh, feeling good, man. Just got a haircut from you, the magician. Yeah, that was that was quite an intro there. Sick. <laughs> oh, hey, man. I feel famous, you know. Hey, that. man. Not I bad. Told your mom. Told your mama. Yeah. Hey, anyone that comes on here, man, they're on to big things. I actually, call her mom. Like mom. Like, yeah. Is that? How See what I mean? Like, when I'm in Australia, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't really hit like it does. Come a bit closer area. as well. Yeah, closer to yeah, yeah. Just have it, have it resting on you. Oh, yeah, cool. um, yeah. So you've been my barber for about three to four years now. I uh, came across this barber shop from a friend and um, needed to look for a barber, and I was already following you, so it just worked out, and here we are today. Yeah, easy, bro. I feel like you know we've built a good relationship now in the last four years. Yeah, for sure. It's more than a, a client relationship. You know, we're just chilling. We've been chilling for. Saturday night and we're doing this. Yeah. Times have changed. We've grown up in a way together. Times have changed, definitely. If this was maybe two years ago, we'd be doing some different things right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll be partying a bit. Yeah. yeah. Got to grow up sometime, eh? That's it, bro. That's um, it. Yeah, uh, how you feeling? Like, we just had a bit of CBD oil that's just sitting over there. It's uh, Grateful C- uh, CBD oil from um, on Instagram at CBD Culture AU. So if, you wanna, if you're interested, give him a look up and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't talk about it highly if I didn't try it myself and yeah, I, I, it works pretty well for me. I use it for my sleep and um, I just want to say it does not get you high for anyone that thinks it does. But how are you feeling? You feeling pretty Good. chill? Yeah, chill man. Very chill. All right, cool. Good. So um, just a bit of a background. Tell us a bit about yourself. You know, we all know you're a barber, an educator, former cyclist, but like let's get behind there. Like where are you from? Um, so yeah, I'm from Ireland initially, if anybody hasn't picked that up already. Um, you might want to put some subtitles. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have to. On the podcast. Um, but yeah, so I'm from Ireland initially. I came to Australia about coming close to five years ago. Yeah. It's around that, September 2016. So I've been here for about five years. Came uh, from from a cycling background. So I was a cyclist before yeah. I'd cut hair. Yeah. Um, came to Australia initially just to come like for a small trip so like six months or something like that i was coming over for my cousin's wedding and here i am i'm still here working at area studio it's the first barbershop i've ever worked at can you believe that um it's a good shop to be working the at. the only barbershop i've ever worked at i've worked out of my mom's salon back in ireland and now i'm here all right. So before we get to the the barber shop, you're 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 known as a barber, but before you were a barber, you just said you were, you were into cycling, but you were a professional cyclist. So how professional are we talking here? Yeah. Look, I think I, I kind of hype it up a little bit more than more than it actually was. If I was that good, I'd still be doing it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Like I've had quite an interesting, I guess, life so far in terms of like I feel like I've lived a few different lives. You know, it seems like it's so far. Like in the past now, yeah, like so long ago. Um, so basically, when when I left school, I've been cycling my whole life up to that point. Um, so from eleven, my uncle Noel, who's in Adelaide, actually, he got me into it. 
So when I finished school, like the, the rule was from my from my mom that I'd finish school and then I could uh, pursue my cycling career. Yeah, because you know when you play sport uh, as a kid, you just whatever sport it is, you want to go far in it. Yeah, you yeah. you look at like the top level and you think, okay, I wanna I wanna get there, and I really just worked as hard as I could. When I finished school, like throughout my youth and stuff, I was doing it at quite a, a good level in Ireland and always kind of competitive. When I finished school, I took it on full time and moved to Belgium. So I was in Belgium for then four years, uh, back and forth to Ireland and traveling around Europe. My base was in Belgium, but I was traveling around Europe. So basically I was doing it like semi-professional for like three years. And then the last year it was, I had a, a pro contract. So yeah. That's huge. Good. So, yeah. um, what were your favourite highlights from that little s- cycling part of your life, like the professional cycling part of your life? Biggest highlights you got there? Um, I guess the opportunity to travel and, and see the world was, was crazy at that age. Yeah. I think, like, I had to grow up pretty fast. Um, so, like, I went to Belgium when I was 17 initially, and I came back home to Ireland when I was about 21 and started cutting hair there. But highlights-wise, yeah, travelling, getting to see... Some crazy places around Europe that you wouldn't have seen only for my cycling career because we were into all these like little mad villages in like France and into like Switzerland and like just random places. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, so that was some of the highlights, and then some of the people that I met throughout throughout that time too. Uh, still good friends with some of them today. Um, not that we speak as much. Yeah. But like when we do catch up, it's like it's like it was yesterday. And I actually shared a room um, with an Aussie guy for two years. He would have talked it up a lot. Yeah, so when I came here, I didn't have to get used to the to the lingo. Yeah, I knew exactly. You. I knew exactly what everything meant already, so it was good. That's sick. Um, so you were cycling, and what made you decide? Okay, I want to pursue something different. Like, was it a what what moment in cycling did you think? Okay, I need a change. Was there an injury, or you just decided out of nowhere? Yeah, I think you know what. Like when I. So when I was at that semi-professional level the last year, I was quite competitive and I was getting like some decent results, not like anything outstanding, yeah. but like some decent results. Um, and then when I went up that level again, it was just a completely like different ball game. You weren't expecting um, it or you just... I wasn't really expecting it because I prepared really well for the season. Yeah. Like I trained as much as I could. So it was another level from that. Yeah, I did as much as I could. And then I remember thinking in the first couple of races, I was like, holy shit, this is like a different, Yeah. this is a different standard, you know? Um, and then that combined with with injuries. I don't like to blame the injuries. I don't want to be that guy who sits in the pub in his 50s and says, oh, oh I could have been a professional <laughs> cyclist, you know. Like, you were, though. You were uh, a professional, but I you know. could have gone further, is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, I don't want to be that guy, you know. So, like, yeah, look, I, I did run out of talent as well at the same time. I kind of came out of the bubble due to injury. So, like, I had a few bad accidents and crashes and stuff, and then I kind of came out of that bubble that you're in as a, as a sports person, and I started to kind of see life from a different perspective that I hadn't seen before because I went straight from school into that yeah. into that uh, world. That's all you knew. And yeah, it's all I knew. So like when I came out of that and I could see the world from just a regular dude's point of view, I was like, fucking hell, that's like, that's a crazy world. That cycling, uh, that cycling crack. I was like, nah. So it's, is it that hard? It's like professionals, like a, how many, like far out, man. Like yeah, I just thought so like if you're pro... It's not even that much further to go. It's an, is it an extra massive jump from there? Yeah, it's, it is. And like 
for, for me, I look back on it now with good memories. So like I don't I don't have any animosity towards it. I think yeah. it was good that I stopped when I did before I started hating it. I didn't want to force it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew that I'd reached my peak. Like I've got to I fulfill my potential yeah. within cycling. And I said, you know what, like it's time to to move on from this. I'm not gonna be just some shit kicker like that just gets his ass handed to him in every yeah. race. I didn't want to be that guy, you know. I, I want to be competitive in something that I'm doing. So like I kind of knew and it was a it was a bitter pill to swallow. It took me a little bit of time to kind of fully make that decision. But I knew from the first race almost at that level that yeah. I was like, all right, like you have to be getting some results here. Because like every season at the end of the year, you're always looking for a team and there's no real security in that. Yeah. And like I didn't like that. I actually found that like quite stressful. You're always looking for a team and begging. And I don't want to be begging yeah, to be on yeah. a team. Imagine if I was here at Area Studio and I'm begging them like to keep me next week. And then you're only as good yeah, as your last haircut. That's a tough gig. That'd be a tough gig yeah. to do. Yeah. And, you're, and you're only as good as your last haircut. You're not really giving any benefit of the doubt. Like you don't feel part of the team. Like there's a few things that I could get into, okay. but I won't put any no, names. But. All good. Um, so how long were you unsure? You're like, okay, how, I, I don't know if I want to do this. How long was that space of time until you thought, okay, I want to become, I want to, I want to work in the hair industry? So there was, there's a few, there's a series of unfortunate events, I would say. Um, accidents, different things happening, and I could just never quite find my form again throughout that last season. And it took me a few months before I kind of figured out, all right, what I was going to do. And I stopped looking for a contract for the following year. I just knew that I was going to do it. Um, just pulled the plug. And yeah, it didn't end on the best best of terms. You didn't have a plan. You just I I yeah I didn't I didn't I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Okay, like, ha hair was always a backup plan for me. Okay, because my mom's a hairdresser. She's had a salon for like over thirty years now, so hair was always a backup plan for me. And I knew that the salon one day was going to be mine because I'm her only son. Yeah, I've got two half brothers, but I'm her only son. Yeah. So I knew that Salon was going to be mine one day. So I was like, it would be good to be able to do hair. Yeah, yeah. And I, towards the end of my cycling career, I started cutting like my my teammates and stuff like that, and just having a bit of fun with it. Do you have experience before that, or you were just starting then? Not really. No, I didn't have any experience. I thought it, I was pretty good at styling my own hair, like yep. always. I was always pretty interested in it, and always interested in my clothes and stuff. And I guess that ties in with the hair industry now, with fashion. But towards the end of the cycling career, when I kind of made that decision. Something happened. It's a funny story, actually, how it happened. But basically, something just put me over the edge. We were at we were at this race, and one of the team uh, managers, or not not even a manager, he was like one of the workers on the team, was giving out to like me and one of the Aussie guys actually, who was in the race, and he was saying something about like, because we had this race coming up in France at the weekend, so we raced on the Wednesday, and then on Friday we were, or Saturday morning we were meant to travel to France, and he was like just mouthing off at us saying like oh what are you even bothering coming to France for you should just stay at home like you're not doing anything in the races and da 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 da, da. and I was like alright I'll fucking go home then like I go so I went back to the house and you booked you a just, flight you just, you just went like that I just went just home like, fuck it. just like, went home and I went to a festival that weekend um, nice <laughs> yeah and I made up for some last time like because you were training so much you yeah. didn't really have time to enjoy yourself okay yeah well look I was enjoying myself and this is something that I always come back to as well it's like it's funny because you know, when you do sport at such a high level, at such a young age, um, people always say to me, oh, do you not feel like you missed out on, like, you know, oh. the college lifestyle and the partying with your friends and this and that? And I'm, I always answer it with, like, yeah, a part of me does think that, but a part of me also thinks that they miss out on what I did. 
because like the life experience that that set me up yeah, for. That, like, yeah, thinking about it now, I reckon crazy. like I always think of other people like they'll be mad to live that sort of life as well. Yeah, because they would have been looking at me thinking, "Fuck, I wish I could do that." Yeah, you know? for sure. So like, I don't ever look back with regret, and I I look back on my cycling career now, and I'm really happy about it because the people that I was racing with, the guys that I was racing with, so my like my year group, are fucking monsters, bro. Like they're they're winning like Tour they're de France. Now. Like they're winning like Tour de France level races now. They're like. So, like, I couldn't beat them when we were younger, but now nobody can beat them. So, it's like, I'm cool. Yeah, you feel all good. I'm cause chilling. Because they're, they're up there. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? I d- it, things didn't end in the best way with my manager at the, the last team I was at. There was very little contact and support from him at the time. Um, and they didn't end that well. And I actually announced my retirement on a, a cyc- an Irish cycling website without yeah, speaking to him first because we were just not yeah. on the best of terms. And... Um, that's pretty I'm cool. You get to announce it on a yeah. I wanted to be the one to make the decision. Like I, I knew that at the end of the year I probably wouldn't have got a contract because I didn't have the results. So I wanted to be that one to make that yeah, decision. Yeah, yeah. You myself. You didn't want to cop it from them. No, nah, like I didn't want yeah, someone yeah. to be putting me down. And say, yeah, nah, yeah. You, you know, you should try something else. I was like, nah, I'm gonna leave this on my terms. And um, I met him a year later, and I feel like he, he showed me some respect. Then, like you know, he was like looking at me, he was kind of smiling. He was like, yeah, respect. You left on your own terms, um, but. I started cycling again throughout lockdown. Like I started picking, like I got a new bike, and I yeah, I remember you saying I'm, I'm getting back into it. Like because again, all the guys I was racing with, they're actually doing the big races now. So I watch them on TV, and it's way more relatable for me because I know these guys personally. And so when I watch it, it's like really interesting. And um, throughout my time cycling over lockdown, I was like, you know what? I hate having these clouds like looming over my head. Like say, for example, a bad ending of that relationship with that manager i don't want that to like carry on so i actually messaged him like maybe three or four days ago um just to say like thank you for After the opportunity how long was that oh like that's six years ago now but like <laughs> i messaged him and i just said hey like hope all is well thank you so much for the opportunity like now in reflection i can really see how much effort it takes to put a team like that together and a calendar like that together and help having us traveling around europe and like how much was actually on his shoulders because right now I'm doing the academy stuff for here and that kind of weight is on my shoulders so I understand a little bit more now. Whereas yeah, back so you're, then you're already struggling to do it for yourself. This guy's going to do it for a lot of people in one, ter- in one go away. Yeah, and now I'm kind of doing that with the boys here. So it's like I understand where he was, where he was at. Whereas at the time I was like, oh, why isn't this fucker getting back to me? But he has, like in classic and typical fashion, he hasn't answered my message. So. Oh, really? Yeah, well, maybe, dirty. He, maybe he'll listen to this. He's still dirty. Nah, or no. maybe he might maybe. go all right. Who knows? Nah, Who okay. knows? So um, you come across Area Studio. How did you, how did you even hear about Area Studio? How did you get the opportunity to come here and work here? Yeah, so basically what I did was I went to a course in Dublin. So it was an upskilling men's barbering course, one-day course by a company called Menspire. And they're like massive inspirations of mine almost like the, the biggest inspirations that I've had so far in the industry. And I know, like, so when I went to the course, I knew that they had been here for Hair Expo. And I was planning to come to my cousin's wedding in Adelaide. So I've got a f- some family in Adelaide because I never got the chance to come here when I was cycling. And my cousin, my first cousin who lives in Adelaide, he was actually a cyclist as well. And he used to live in Europe. And we'd see each other all the time in... um. Belgium, so he's living in Belgium. We were both racing on the same kind of circuit. 
like he was he actually declared for Australia because he moved here when he was about 14 so he declared for Australia so I was cycling for Ireland in some races he was cycling for Australia it was mad it was actually sick yeah and um we were quite close before they moved they moved over here so I always wanted to come and visit them but never had the opportunity so basically I just said yeah fuck it I'm gonna go to Australia so I, I asked the guys at that course I just said oh, I've seen you guys were in Australia recently like where should I go like is there anywhere in particular did it have a reputation yet area studio no it was actually pretty new it was like six months old at the time yeah. um but it was owned by a bunch of dudes from the UK so the company that I went to the course for they're, f- they're from London and Jordan's from London the boss of, of area the owner of area so basically uh yeah he just set me up he was he pulled his phone out at that workshop and said you guys still looking for somebody and he said yeah and he's like how soon do you want him here and he's like as soon as possible and i was like just give me six weeks because i had a full clientele like at that point i'd been cutting hair for about a year yeah in my hometown and i had a couple of hundred clients like that were coming like i was doing crazy hours big days like and i could kind of i guess see into the future in terms of what my life was going to look like in my hometown and i just didn't like it i always knew that there was something bigger and better for me out there and i couldn't reach my potential going to melbourne australia yeah and here this is where it's all happened um it's been crazy it's been crazy it's a big I sacrifice to just drop everything and move to another country i, I honestly couldn't do it myself but I respect people that do that. Do you know what? I was thinking about it recently because I knew we were going to be doing this. And I was thinking about that recently. And I was just thinking, like, I didn't really put that much thought into it. I think in the back of my head, I always said, okay, I'll go for six months and then I'll come back. I'll have the break now and then I'll come back to it because I had such a good opportunity to have a secure business for myself for the rest of my life back at home. Five years later now, man. Um, Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) It it just goes like that, too. Like, so quick. Um, But... Yeah, I remember, I actually distinctively remember being out for a walk with my mom at the time, just walking around our hometown, and I, I remember looking, like, there's one d- particular part of this walk, and you, like, look over, like, the whole town, and I just looked at her, and I was like, there has to be more to it than this, like... Ireland's tiny, yeah. there's nothing against anyone back at home, because yeah. I know some people are probably going to listen to it, but I just looked at her, and I was like, there has to be more than this, because I felt like within that year, I'd already reached, like, my done potential. Done so much. Like, how many more heads could I cut, like, and how, how much shorter could I make that haircut so that I could make more money? I don't know. I could just, there was no progression. And, yeah. like, I'm actually the type of person who, like, if I don't see progress in something, like with my cycling career, if I don't see progression in something, I just I just can't do it. Like, I have to stop it. Okay, cool. I'm like, it's like, I know it sounds cringe, but it's like a, an addiction to, to progress, you know? Like, I can't, if I don't see the progression, that's it. Like, man. I think a barber is so important, man. Like, you see the barber for the most important parts of your life. Like, you're getting a job interview, you go see a barber. You're, you're going to go on a date, you see a barber. Like, you, the relationship with the barber is just, like, always pretty strong with the client, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, they tell you, like, all their important shit. Like, you probably hear some crazy things. Like, anything, like, anyone ever told you, like, some crazy shit? Like, and you're like, whoa, this is a bit too much information. Yeah, so, like... Yeah, for sure. Like everything you said there, like perfectly describes it. Because, like for me, coming from again com- going back to the cycling thing, coming from that background is such a selfish like game. Because oh, you're by yourself. Yeah, you're, you're just like everything. Everything else is second to cycling, um, and when you're a barber, it's almost the other way around. You're doing everything for the client. Yeah, and so it was a big transition for me um, initially. 
but yeah, I've seen some people like, you know, I've literally got clients that have gone through the whole process of their relationship with them. Like from the initial meeting to the first date. Yeah, that's to like epic man. Planning their engagement with me. Like and I feel like and then like they're getting married and I'm doing their hair f- before the wedding and stuff like that and like you know you see the whole thing and it comes around so quickly but like I feel like we're such a neutral source for people you know like they don't feel any way in oh, yeah, telling, you don't telling know me something you don't know anyone that they know so no and I'll tell them like honestly how uh, I feel about you see it one way yeah you yeah. see it like in the, you don't take a side you just see yeah, it it's a neutral yeah. it's a neutral opinion neutral source and yeah I think it can get kind of deep sometimes Definitely. Yeah, well, like like I said, you, you see them during their highs, and then you also see them during their lows. Like, obviously, mm. for a funeral, you want to look good, like you want to look respectable. They'll probably see you for a haircut before that as well. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And like, there has been some like pretty like t- there's times where you're like, I don't know how to say it properly, but you're just not really even fully qualified to talk to people about that kind of stuff. Yeah, like you have to be careful like how far you go with it. Yeah, yeah. Because like it's kind of almost promoted these days as well to like look after men's mental health as a barber. Yeah, for sure. And we always talk about this in our workshops because at a certain point, it's very important and it's important to keep an eye on it and understand if somebody's like up or down, but like how far into it do you really need to go? Because yeah. like, do you want to, are you actually qualified to open Pandora's box? You know? That's I, a hard one, man. But but like, yeah, it is a hard one. So like we're, 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 we're navigating it well, but I think... Um, yeah, it is so important. And you, you build such a good relationship yeah, with sure, people. And Everyone yeah. comes to the barber for that glow up, man. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. um, all right. So where is barbering taking you around the world? Like expos and who's like, yeah, you've probably met some famous people as well. Like who are, who? what are some names that you've, that you've met that are some big names? Octa. Octa's oh. the most famous. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> nah, seriously. Like, so for real, um, for real. When when I actually started, like, so just going back, like, to the start of that question, when I actually started cutting hair, the one thing that I thought I was going to miss from cycling was the opportunity to travel. And there's a funny story to this, actually. So before I actually became a barber, I interviewed for Emirates because I thought that that would give me the opportunity to travel the world and get paid to do it. Yeah. So essentially, I was going to be, like, cabin crew for Emirates. Um so I signed up on the Emirates website before I like started cutting hair and like blah, 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 blah. Then I started cutting hair and then the Emirates thing was coming up and I knew I didn't want to do it. I was cutting yeah, hair then. You I just like, wanted to do it just to see the world a bit. Yeah. And like, and I knew I didn't even want to do the interview because it's like a full X factor day. You know, you go there and you're suited up and you, it's proper like yeah. X factor. Um, but I went anyway and I actually ended up getting the job. I, actually, I got it and then. I had to send photos of my tattoos and they didn't like them and then I, I got told to go to the side. But barbering has given me that same opportunity to travel the world as, as cycling did, if not even more so. Like, I'm here. I'm here in Australia. That's travel number what con- one. What a country, man. What a country. What a country. Give me that citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that PR. Um, <laughs> no, I won't say that. Sorry, ma'am. Hey man, be upset. I know all about that, man. My parents went through that too. Yeah, but like, you know, look, it's good to have it. I think I'd, I can't see, like I've, I've built like a, a really good like career for myself here. Um, and I feel like quite established here now and, and comfortable. So I'm looking to stay. But yeah, I've got to go like some crazy places. Like I remember sitting back one time when I was living in, in Richmond with my mate Matt and uh, just being on the balcony and looking out at the city and like, I just got a call like, the 
about 10 minutes before that to, to ask me to go to China to do a, like a hair expo in China. That's and epic. I, I was just like, this is just crazy. And I hadn't been back to Ireland at that point yet. So I was like, I have to bring my mom like to China. Oh, that's epic. So I just got her a flight to come to China and like we just went over there and it was just a wildest experience. How does it work there if you're doing an expo then like you don't speak the language? Like that they, they just... They get you a translator, but even the translator can't understand <laughs> me. I need a dub. I need two translators. Someone's translating the translator. I as need well. somebody <laughs> to translate into English first. Oh, because you have the Irish accent. I feel like my accent's quite neutral, though. At the same time, yeah, it's, it's not. not a, it's not very strong. It's not like no. Conor McGregor's one's next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now mine's neutralized over the years because even before I came here, because uh, you met because yeah. of cycling and yeah, stuff, yeah. I had to like just have a neutral accent. I, I I feel like where I'm from as well, our accent isn't like really country yeah. or crazy so but yeah it's been mad I got to go to China a few times traveling around Australia obviously um, obviously if it wasn't for COVID I probably would have been traveling a little bit more last yeah. year I had a few really cool opportunities and gigs come up but yeah we'll get round to them again alright the so um, what uh, are there any people or brands that sponsor you at the moment yeah so I guess look mainly I've been working on Area Academy um Recently, we've got like a, a cool deal with um, with Dyson. Dyson has been one of the cooler ones. Um, I work for Andis Clippers as well, which is a massive uh, company in America. They do uh, hair clippers and equipment for for barbering. Um, Osaka Scissors. Um, trying to remember if, I f- if I'm forgetting anybody, but yeah, I do a bit of work for the Cutthroat Journal as well. So I do a little bit of writing for them um, from time to time. But yeah, mainly I'm just working on on my own personal brand and just trying to keep up with everything really, and working on very busy guy, very busy man. Um, so I recently read up about your unity and diversity collection. Like, so what inspired that? So yeah, so I created a collection. Um, it was mainly for a competition initially, and it was based off an idea that I had to do a series of haircuts that would represent different suburbs in Melbourne. Because Melbourne's so very different. There's culturally a lot of diverse. There's a lot of yeah. Yeah. So like the unity and diversity is like basically describes Melbourne because you know even us three yeah who are here today like completely yeah. different guys but like oh sorry ah oh, Pats is over there yeah. in the back there shout out Pats. There's <laughs> some uh, some unity within within the city. You know you can go to a bar and there can be people from all different backgrounds and there's no real like not that, that I not that yeah. I've seen anyway. I haven't seen any gang shit but. Like there's, there's no real. I like had a past once, <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean. Like yeah. there's that unity in the city. So like I wanted to create um, a collection that would represent that, and all the images are so different. But then like the choice of clothing, color, and the background, um, the color of the background, and the backdrop, and the, the the shot is what tied it all in. So it was cool. It was cool. It's been um, it was tough because initially I, I created it for a competition. And I learned a lot of lessons through that because I actually should have created it for my own, for myself, essentially. Um, not just for the rules of a competition to get a title or anything like that. Because obviously, look, the title, the goal was to get it as men's um, finalist for men's hairdresser of the year. Um, so that would help me promote the education stuff. That's kind of the goal yeah. with that. Um not just to be like, I'm men's hairdresser of the year, I'm the best hairdresser in Australia. I don't care about that stuff. And it's funny, because I'm not actually that competitive of a person, 
hence why my cycling career didn't work out for me. Because oh, I, I was almost a bit too nice it with it. It all lines too. up now. I was, yeah, I was just a bit like too nice with it, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I don't have that animosity in me. Like I don't have that kind of, yeah, I don't know. I don't have that anger in me like that you almost need uh, to be that competitive person. And look, we're in a city of 5 million people. We're in a country of like 20 something million, yeah. Like we don't have to compete when it comes to hair. Like there's enough so for everyone there to go around. There's, there's, a lot there's, of, yeah. there's enough heads for everyone. Like I don't feel like that, that competition really matters. In so Ireland's different. Yeah, a little bit. Where I'm from is like Small 10, 000, 15,000 yeah. people in the, in the hometown. You know, like they probably. What, what city was it? So I'm from a place called Cork, and the town I'm from is about 20 minutes from the city. It's called Fromoy. Okay. Cork. Shout out Fromoy. Big ups for my. Um, I doubt this has reached that far, but what's that? <laughs> I don't. I don't think uh, it even leaves the country. To be honest, no, you'd be surprised, bro. There'll yeah, be some people cool, listening. Cool, I'm about to be worldwide now. One hundred percent. There'll be some people listening from from my. Nice. And, and if they what's did, up? If, <laughs> if they are listening, they better ma- leave some comments. You know, <laughs> but they won't. They won't. They'll just be ghosting. They'll be pretending that like they didn't see it or something. You know? uh, um. So you've got a pretty decent following. Like, did that build up over time, or was it a single moment that just started that? Um, yeah, oh, so yeah. look, the following, that kind of happened, it actually happened re- relatively organically, it was good initially, like when I came to Australia first, the barbering scene was going off on Instagram, it was just like a really hot time, like 2017, 2018, um, it was really like going up then, and you know, you get a few reshares from big pages, um, your work starts spreading across, I think when we came to Melbourne, like say, when I say we, talking about the area team when we first started like getting ourselves on the scene essentially uh, we were doing something a, a lot different that hadn't been really seen here before and that was excuse me as that cbd oil coming up but um we were doing something that was a lot different to to anybody else i, I feel at that time um we had that real uk style and influence it's everywhere now though yeah now it's everywhere so now, now like yeah. everyone is kind of doing that similar style but we implemented that back in 2017 and it was nothing different that, to what you see at home but it was different here and i feel like yeah a lot of my following actually is in america because i work for andis yeah, yeah. so when i got announced that's yeah america. when i got announced on what the andis team it the following went up um also like due to some of my clients i got a few clients with big followings and stuff They'd put me on their stories, and it's just, uh, it accumulates over time. Nowadays, though, it's just plateauing. It just yeah. stays the same. I don't really care about it anymore. Like, there was a time where I did. Yeah, because you're there still starting out, I guess. Yeah, like, uh, there was a time where I would track it a little bit more and follow it and look at it, and now I don't even look at, like, I don't care who looks at my stories. Obviously, Instagram is probably my biggest tool when it comes to promoting my business, but I don't actually care about the, the numbers or the followers or whatever. I'd be quite happy for people to just unfollow like, and just have a, a really engaging, small following. You know, I think that would be good. But it's, it's nice. It adds, some, it adds some spice to the whole situation, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of people ask me this. They're like, why do you come so far to get a haircut? Because I live all the way in the west side. And why do you pay so much? What do you have to say about that? You, pay, you get what you pay for. What do you reckon, guys? I know it sounds cliche, yeah, but even like even the experience, you know, knowing you're going to get something that is, or is as consistent, I guess you're going to get a consistent haircut every time. It's not, it's not going to be. You don't have to worry about it being any 
different way. And I feel like that's what I kind of pride myself on. That's why I make the drive, guys. I just don't even know how to say that. But yeah, that's why I make the drive. I, I, yeah, like I pride myself on, on consistency. I think it's such a big thing in life that if you're consistent with everything you do, the results are there. And um, that's what I would say with all of us. We put the effort in. We're passionate about what we do. We're consistent with our work. We're trying to make people feel good before they look good as well. So it's more than just like a coming in and you get your hair cut really quick and off you are out the door. Like it's it's not really that's not. Yeah, what it's we're a vibe here, area. Yeah, nice. I love I love I love the, I love the the whole setup here. It's sick. But um, so uh, under the area studio umbrella, you've you're the co-owner of Area Academy. So tell us a bit more about Area Academy because um, mm-hmm. you have a passion for education and why is that? Cool. So like at the beginning of all of our workshops, we have this part where so we go through and introduce ourselves like introduce everything like whatever and then there's an introduction part and we talk about our why and like the intro and the story of area so far and it changes every time so this is going to be very much the same so basically yeah i didn't see myself as the type of guy that would be a teacher like i never liked school particularly myself i didn't like dislike it but i, I didn't like i didn't like it so i never saw myself as a teacher so I just kind of found myself in this in this role in this um, in this space, and I guess Area Academy has just kind of blossomed over time, and it's kind of just taken a path of its own. So basically, when I started in the hair industry, I just want to go back and give a bit of a background yeah. story on it. So when I started in the industry, I realized that it was a lot bigger than just my mom's salon. Like so, because all I knew about hair and hairdressing was my mom's salon, and like she's got a very successful salon in my hometown, and it's been there for over thirty years. And that's great. But I never realized that there was such a big world to hair at that time. And it kind of almost reminded me of cycling in a way. So I've taken a lot of them skills and brought it into it. And one of the first things I saw when I started following some people from the UK and people from around the world that were sick of cutting hair was the fact that they were like traveling the world and they were on stage and they were doing this and they were sharing their work and they were impacting people. So they were like, you know, people were looking up to them and like being like, ah, oh, like, you know, they were, you could really see that they were impacting people because they were impacting me. The fact that I was thinking like that. And I was like, yeah, I could be, I could probably do that, you know, I could be one of those dudes. Um, but I never knew it would come around so quickly. Obviously, I was just working on my craft when I came here for, um, for a couple of years. And then the opportunity just came around organically. We were at Hair Expo um, and this, we're putting together an education team at the time. And they were doing auditions. And I just said, okay, yeah, I'll give it a crack. And one thing leads to another. I was part of the education team. Kind of went out and tested the water for a few years. Was doing like look and learns. People would write to me on online, send me emails, um, write to me on Instagram, ask me to, to show them how I cut. Um, and over time, I just said, you know what, there's a really good opportunity here. And there's an issue with the training standards in Australia. Like for the, f- the fact that we were the first people to really introduce that style and do things to the level that we were doing them shows that there's an issue with the with the training standards um because a lot of people who finish in their barbering apprenticeships or when they go to school or whatever they're not really ready to be on the floor okay they're not really even taught the soft skills that come with with cotton hair like how to deal with customers customer service different things like that so over the years things accumulated and then over lockdown we got the opportunity to actually put something together that was structured, which was Area Academy. 
and I actually had the time to sit down and map it all out, plan it all out, how I wanted it to be. And our way is basically to challenge the, the conventional ways in which people think about hair. So, like, we want to kind of encourage people to, to realize their own potential, in, in, in essentially, um, to get pretty deep about it. But, yeah, I feel like if you're not part of fixing the problem, then you're part of the problem yourself. So if you see a problem in an industry or in the world or whatever, if you're not part of solving that problem, you are essentially part of the problem as well. Because everyone's just going to point the finger. There's going to be this bystander effect. And if we have the platform and the opportunity, and also it's a good business. So it's like, it's just win, win, win. Yeah, like everyone why, wins. Why, why not? And I love doing it. I love like sharing what I know. I'm the type of person that as soon as I learn something, I want to be able to share it with the boys. Else, yeah. And like... Yeah, and it's interesting. It's just kind of taking a world of its own and it's it's even a lot different to what I thought it was going to be now. Like, we're about six months in, maybe a little bit more. Um, we've seen about 100 students already. I don't even like the word students because, like, it, there's no hierarchy here either. Like, we're sharing our skills with other stylists who have equally as much skills that we can learn from too because I'm always approaching things from a student's mindset, always. Um, so I even hate that word and like even the whole education thing like at the start of our lecture in the in the academy we like to talk about like why are we here today and what is the point of education and we don't like to even look at it as education we don't like to look at it as training we don't like to look at it as learning whatever it may be even though it is all those things we are trying to encourage transformation so we want people to you know when you have that moment where something clicks you know you start a new job or whatever it is and then you're like kind of on the back foot for a while and then something clicks and you realize and you learn how to do something that's growth you know yeah that's transformation that's growth and we're trying to encourage people to think about that for themselves rather than just giving them the information that they're going to forget we're trying to almost like speed up that kind of transformation so like yeah they don't have to go through as much suffering when it comes to being on the floor Look, it looks mad every time I every time I watch the stories. I'm like, ah, like it makes me want to think maybe well, I want to be a barber one day. But no. nah, yeah, <laughs> my bad. hands are not steady, man. I reckon I'd cut someone's head off by accident. So <laughs> the thing, the thing is with us at the moment, like what we're offering, we're not doing anything for beginners. So it's all like upskilling uh, right now, because what I've realised is it's a it's a big operation. Yeah. Where you can get it to the point where it can be beginners as well, and because I still work on the floor. Um, so trying to juggle and balance everything is, is pretty hard. So at some point, when it gets a little bit further down the line and we have a space and we build a team and get all the boys educating uh, to a high level as well, then it'll be good. We might implement that then, but yeah. Just before, I'm going to have a drink of water. Sorry, man. Um, all good. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so what's your vision for the academy? So yeah, look... Uh, I don't know. This is the funny the funny part about it is um do you wanna get a water? Yeah, I'll just give me a sec. All good. I'll just chill. I'm I'm gonna think about that question for a second. <laughs> What's my vision for the academy? Not a bad question, eh? It's not a bad question. I've heard worse questions. <laughs> um look, people always ask, you know, they say you have to have the five year plan, the ten year plan, all this stuff. To be honest, if if next week, if the progress wasn't there, not ne necessarily next week, but like if 
for example, if it, in a couple of years I wasn't really feeling it anymore, I wasn't feeling that passion for it, I'd only be doing myself an injustice and everyone else around me an injustice to keep going with it. So, like, same thing as my cycling career. Like, I was all in on cycling. And one of my school teachers actually told me it was funny because, like, he didn't really like me that much. And then um, he started cycling. <laughs> and he would come to all the races and then he, he started to kind of understand what was going on and what I was doing. And then he told me, he was like, you can't have a plan B. Like, don't fill out the the forms to go to college. Like, go all in for cycling. Far out. Because he's like, if you have a plan B, you're just going to, when things get hard You think about that straight away. Yeah, you're already thinking about quitting. When things get hard during plan A, you're just going to quit. Because plan B is the easier option and it's just easy to do that. So right now I'm just all in with the academy. Try to get that to the highest levels I possibly can. Who knows what that's going to look like. Every week, every every day, it's taking a new shape. I'm just following where the road takes me. And if at one point I want to hop off that road, I'll hop off that road. Um, same thing with cycling. I didn't know it was over until it was over, you know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I like to... I don't like to put pressure on myself, yeah. you know. I don't want to be like, oh, by the time I'm 30, I want to have this, 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 and this done. Because if I don't have one of them things done, it's going to be like, oh, I failed, you know. Um. What advice would you give someone that wants to step into the hair industry? I would say to surround yourself with good mentors. I think that's been something I've been very fortunate with. I haven't ever really picked up many bad habits. And Lee says this. So Lee is one of the other boys that works here. He's uh, one of the main educators at the academy with me. And we've spent a lot of time together recently helping other people grow um, and being around that transformation, and we have mad conversations. Sometimes we're like, "Fuck, I wish we were being recorded." Like, because like he's a pretty deep person as well. But he always says to me, "The one thing about you that the reason why I've got to where I've got so far in such a short space of time is because I haven't been around any bad mentors, or like I haven't had anybody to give me bad habits. You know, like so I've all I've always been around people who've cut hair really well, and not to take on too many mentors either." Yeah, you know, like there's, you could literally go on YouTube and find like thousands of videos on fading, thousands. You can confuse yourself as much as you want, but like, basically the point I'm trying to say is like find a couple of people that you really fuck with, like and just stick with them in a way. Yeah, you know, I think that would be the best thing to okay, do. Okay, cool. That's uh, what I would say, and yeah, just work hard. You know, there's no like, there's no other way around it. Just you got to put in that work, can. huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, s- misconceptions that come with working in the barber or hair industry. What are th- some misconceptions? That it's easy. Yeah. Like everyone looks at us doing the trims, and it, like, because we're just so comfortable with the tools that it's like, ah, that's easy. But, like, we're in here from nine to eight, like, back to back, you know? Eating our lunch over the bin sometimes. Like, talking to people, like, these types of conversations. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, you've seen 15 people drained, like properly drained. But you feel good. You feel like that same feeling that at the end of a bike race, you know, where you're just like wrecked, but you know you've achieved something. Um, You've pushed past another boundary. And I think that's a misconception that it's kind of easy. Yeah. Ah, like, you know, someone comes in. Ah, you're I on your fade all day as well. Yeah, I just need a quick, I just need a quick like touch up on the side. Yeah. Just, it's nothing, you know, just do the fade, bro. Like, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the misconceptions. Don't really know what else I would say. 
That was a misconception. All right, gratitude time. What's one thing you're grateful for? One thing I'm grateful for. It's going to sound cringe as fuck. <laughs> grateful for my girlfriend. Amen. She's a good woman. She's a good woman. She's she cool, man. Hannah's cool. Yeah, yeah, and she facilitates for me too, you know. She she kind of she's patient with me. I'm grateful for my family too, like my mom, uh, my brothers, my dad. Like, you know, she's always been there showing support. Um, grateful for them. They've always kind of given me any, anything I ever wanted. Yeah. And I was kind of like... Nah, man, hey, But man. it's true, right? Like of course, everyone feels that way about their family. If, I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it wasn't for them facilitating yep. what I've done. Because obviously I went to Belgium and I've done all them things by myself. And, yeah, I think like even having Hannah now, like to with the academy massive like having her to help me i was thinking about it today i was like what would i do if, if she wasn't there to help me with just little things like just small things that would be very difficult so definitely grateful i'm gonna get me one of those man <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are you yeah <laughs> i know she's, she's gonna be crying when she hears this Jeez, i'm almost crying if money it. wasn't an option what would you be what would you do every day if money wasn't an option I'd probably be a rapper, man. Yeah? I think it'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> hey, man. It seems like it would be, but Area I don't know. studio. It's a studio. I you know. can do both. I know. You can do everything here. It's a, mix, it's a collaborative, creative space. We can do anything here. Now, I don't know. If money was an option, what would I do every day? That's the thing, right? You'd like To me, I actually said it to my friends over lockdown. I was like, I'd hate to win the lotto. You know, everyone's like, oh, I'd love to win the lotto. You follow Gary V much? I know. I've, I've, heard, I've watched a bit of his things. It's the guy that I follow. He talks him highly. Yeah. Very highly. So, like, basically, like, when I started cutting hair, like, I was following Gary V. He gave me a lot of, like, good advice. I would almost see him as a mentor, you know, but I don't know him. But, like, he helped me with some shit. But basically, his main goal is to buy, like, the Jets or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. It was a sports team, yeah. But, like, it's such a big goal that he doesn't ever really want to get there. Same kind of principle as, like, winning the lotto. Like, I would hate to win the lotto because you lose, lose a lot of your purpose and your direction. It's like after you've done everything, after you've traveled the world, after you've done everything. Then what? Then what? And then you, when you're doing it, you wouldn't even really feel that achieved doing it. But like if it was my own money, then yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like the more people you can impact, that's the greatest reward that you can have, more, more so than monetary value. I feel like the, the impact that you make on people in whatever you do, that's like the most rewarding thing. When I finish a day of education, I'm driving home, like by myself and I'm, I'm just like that was sick you know whatever if money wasn't an option I would figure out how I can like how whatever way I made that money I would figure out how can I make other people that money as well so we can all have fun you know that's kind of like what I would do it doesn't matter what it would be if it was hair if it was something else because this is the thing it's like you know I am a barber I am an educator I am like whatever label that you want to give me but ultimately what i'm trying to do is almost resist my labels in a way like i'm gonna be more than that yeah like if my hand got chopped off tomorrow like yeah i'm there's still more to me than just cutting hair like i'm just a person with a set of skills that can be applied to everything because a lot of the skills that i learned in in cycling they transfer over into barbering even though they're completely different worlds they transfer over you know and i think for me like, I never really kind of want to, like, get there, wherever there is, because I know that there's no destination. 
like you know I, I see rich people come in here all the time like there's rich people here every day of the week and they're not really at their core they're not really I'm any not happier. that rich <laughs> <laughs> but at their core they're not really any happier than what what we are you know and it's kind of like what what what's the next Lamborghini going to get you like you know really what is in a few more months you'll just want the next one and the next one you're you're forever just chasing the goalpost keeps moving so I feel like money to me I, I just want to have enough to be comfortable to be able to set my life up nicely so that I don't have to think about things or like worry about things or worry about you know just little things um, then I'm happy love it I love yeah. it okay so this next question is um don't, don't, don't say the song yet, but um, what's your favourite song and why? I'm going to play it quickly. Like, I like this guy's music, but I hate him live. But you hate the him song, live? Hate him live. Really? Yeah. I'll talk about that in a sec. I'm trying to put you in the worst mood. Uh, P1 cleaner than your church shoes. Uh, belly point two just to hurt you. Uh, all red lamb just to tease you. Uh, Tell us the story of why this is your favourite song. Well, look, w when you ask me about the favourite song, it's such a hard question because I love so no, much music. It's, it's hard for anyone. Um, but with the story, it's, it's, such a, like, it's such a hard question. And I wouldn't even, like, look, it is one of my favourite songs. That's what I would say. It's one of my favourite songs. And the reason it is is because of the emotional connection I have to it because of an experience. Live experience. A live experience. So this is why I'm going to get to it. Um, basically, I say basically a lot, don't I? But anyway, we'll get to it. Um, when I came to Australia, this will I tell the full story? I'll, get, I'll tell the full story. It's a bit. It's a bit long, but not really. Five minutes. Summarize anyway, it. I summarize it as much as I can. So when I came to Australia, basically the first day I arrived, came into the city. Um, Scrolled, like, just went down Flinders Street or wherever. I didn't know where I was. Looked at one of the posters. And on one of the posters was, like, the Justin Bieber uh, concert that was coming up. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, I'm going to do the hair for that concert. I don't know why. I just knew that I would do the hair for that concert. And basically, the reason I chose Starboy and the weekend song is because we also did the hair for the weekend show. And since coming to Australia... That's just something that I considered completely out of reach. Like, when I was back in Ireland, I loved The weekend. Followed him for since he was doing the mixtapes. And all of a sudden... That's the balloons. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm backstage. Uh, like, I'm doing the hair at the, this concert, you know? And it was just the wildest experience. Like, you're so close to these really famous people. Like, really famous. Um... <laughs> And I'm from a small town in Ireland, like 10,000 people, you know, 15,000 people. So basically, when I listen to Starboy, say, for example, if I haven't done a workshop in a long time, I'll put on Starboy and it almost like feels gives like me... Feels like that time again? Yeah, it kind of gives me like, it, it almost reminds me of like, okay, you know, remember everything that you've done, like, and you're, you're going to smash this. Like, you know, it kind of gives me that kind of energy. 
like before I do a workshop, I'll put it on when I'm in, in the car, when I'm driving. And then when it stops, I'm, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm ready to go now, you know? It's a track, it's a track. It's a track, it's a bit obvious. I feel like it's a bit like basic, you know, saying that it's my favorite song in this, but the emotional connection for me, like to be able to, oh, for sure. to be able to realize them things. Like I remember being even at the, at the Bieber tour, like not to be just going on about it either, but like to being at the Bieber tour with Jordan and like just being that close to them people. Not that we were like mates with them or anything, yeah. but like just but being still, there yeah. and like being like, what the fuck? This is nuts, you know? Yeah. Like being a massive fan of them too. And then being like, all right, like it's actually not that far away. If I wanted to do this, full-time like just do hair for stuff like that then we could um and from there i was like you know what anything is possible really and everything else that uh i've done so like since that moment like anything i've ever wanted to do i've kind of ticked it off so far like when i was living with matt we used to listen to the, the weekend a lot um and that was when i came to australia first and that's when things really started to change we moved house we went into a really nice place and uh, we had this nice view overlooking the city. I remember being like, we need to get a whiteboard in here. Like, we need to just get a whiteboard. And I wrote, like, all my goals down on the, on the whiteboard. And, like, those were, like, my life goals at the time. You know, and, like, whenever, since we moved into that apartment, everything just elevated in my life. And, like, I ended up taking off, like, most of them goals. Like, nearly, I think, right now, like, that whiteboard. Mikey sent me a picture of it recently because he was living there until now. And all the goals are ticked off on the whiteboard. And I was just like, it's probably coming from that energy and being around that kind of environment and being around Jordan too. I think like being around him and how blasé and easygoing he was about the whole thing. Like I was like a little Yeah, he girl. seems like I, a real just laid back guy. I, I don't really like, know him though, so. I was like a little girl the screaming the inside, you know. I was like, ah, <laughs> going to the Justin Bieber concert, you know. <laughs> but it was like, he was just like, yeah, bro, just chill, you know, just keep it chill. I was like, no. <laughs> nah, but like you actually sound like that. No, nah. <laughs> nah, I know. Yeah. Okay, so we've come to the end, but we're going to do a little new thing that I want to try here. Word association. We're going to finish it off with this. First word or sentence that comes to your mind when I say these five words. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to take a breath for this one. Word, is it first word or sentence, all right? Ready? Ireland. Conor McGregor. Really? Shouldn't say that, but like I've just been here for so long that that's oh you're from Ireland, you're not Conor McGregor. Australia, <sighs> kangaroos. Education, transformation. And the last one to close it off, Owen McCarthy, legend. <laughs> legend. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Think about that nah. one. Uh, just me, I guess. Well, do I, Owen McCarthy. Yeah. How do you want people to see you? Legend. All right, you are a legend, man. And you're the king of the no, glow up too. So you know what? That's the thing, man. It's like all about for me. We always talk about this part in our workshop too, about like competition and like us sharing our secrets and this and that. And it's like I don't really even have any secrets, so I don't want to take any like credit for being like like an innovator. What I'm doing is being creative with what I do, and what's the use in me not sharing it? And like. Ultimately, what we're trying to achieve and the vision for Area Academy is to create some sort of legacy and for people to look back on it and be like, oh, that was actually sick what them guys did, you know, with men's hair. 
So I guess you know the whole legend thing comes in. You're a legend, bro. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that 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 that's the end of the podcast, and um, I appreciate appreciate your work, man. The glow up, and um, so if you're looking for a fresh cut at Area Studio, uh, look it up. And Owen's Instagram is at uh, Owen McCarthy Hair, so you can find him there. Any last words? Yeah, bro. I just want to say, um, love what you do with the podcast as well. I've been a big supporter since day one. Thanks, even, bro. Even day minus one. We're still having I fun here, bro. It's all good. We're still um, fun. No, I just want to say thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. And right. uh, yeah, peace and love. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks to Putz, too. For thanks, Putsy, for filming. Thank you. Hey, see you later, guys. Hey, subscribe. Woo!